0: What's going on guys, it's Nick here, back to the video, it's Tuesday, it's time to go look at the waiver wire for week 10, nothing crazy this week, uh, there are definitely some solid options at every position besides wide receiver, wide receiver is not looking very good, there's basically no one new there, I think the obvious top claim this week is that running back, and that's Keaton Mitchell, he had his first career carry this week and boy did he have a really, really good game, he only played 14 total offensive snaps, played 13 on special teams still, but he handled 9 carries. So, you think, okay, 14 snaps, 9 carries, couldn't have done all that much. Commands one target on those 14 snaps as well. Gains 138 rushing yards and a score. Goes backwards 4 yards on that target, but point is, on the ground, he looked Awesome. Um, also very encouraging. I think a lot of people look at the box score and be like, oh, it was all because of the blowout. No, just as Hill was the one that got all those blowout snaps, Mitchell entered the game on the Ravens' fifth drive. So they started with Gus Edwards. Gus was still the starter in this game. But fifth drive for the Ravens. We see Mitchell enter. Um, it's like the mid-second quarter at this time. Rips off runs of 11, 9, 9, 8 yards. Then gets vultured by Gus Edwards for a three-yard rushing touchdown. He then did nothing on the second drive of the third quarter before ripping off a 40-yard touchdown on the next drive, and they had a 60-yard carry the drive after that. Then after that, Justice Hill gets the rest of the running back touches in the blowout. So basically, thus far, I mean Mitchell is pretty clearly ahead of Justice Hill as the running back too. and while Gus is always gonna have a large goal line role, Mitchell could genuinely push Gus for early down usage. Like this could very easily be an early down split plus Mitchell getting passing down work, still mixing in at the goal line. I think all season they're gonna probably bring Gus in to be that goal line back. And so Gus is still gonna have you know that upside, gonna take that away. From Mitchell, but we saw this week, you know, has the 40-yard carry scores from out there. And even if he's not scoring, you know, a ton of touchdowns, he'll have a few. They'll keep him in there a few times, and he'll be highly efficient on the ground. So we don't want to overreact to a 14-snap game, be like, oh, he's going for 100 to a score every week. He could pretty easily next week come out and have four carries for 13 yards, and we're like, oh, uh, why did we go after him so heavily? I think The reason we want to, though, is just because of the potential. We're late enough in the season where, you know, if someone clearly looks like a very, very good ad rest of season, you should be willing to spend a lot of fab on them, spend a top claim on them, because there's only so many more possibilities to use that number one claim on. And also, there is a real chance that you can get like consistent, like, 10 or 11 touches per game, and if it's coming on this offense with how explosive he looked in this game, then he needs to be a top option for everyone, even if you're not desperate for running back, just because that would be really, really good. 10 or 11 touches at running back on this offense would make him a potential start every single week in a really good start in specific matchups, you don't find that on free agency that much anymore. So um, bump it up or bump it down depending on if you need running back or not. I'm thinking around 20% of your fab. Again, if you, you have running backs you trust, you don't need to spend that. If you're like, oh, I don't really care if I get him. All right, put in at least like 10% and see if you get him. Uh If you really need running back, you're like, Nick, I'm going to lose. If I don't get this kid, we'll obviously bump it up as much as you really want there. But I do think he's worth... A number one claim. Um, after Mitchell, running back appeal definitely does start to fall off a tad. Um, we're still going after Charbonnet, especially after a second consecutive week where he outsnapped Ken Walker. Note that it was trailing, that's why he outsnapped him by so much. It was like you know the game script favored passing in which case Charbonnet's is going to get more snaps than Walker because Charbonnet gets all the third down snaps all the clear passing down snaps all the two minute snaps and so when they're in these trailing scripts it's going to be Charbonnet over Ken Walker for the rest of the season um we can't start him yet, but he remains one of the highest upside handcuffs in fantasy. He's a running back one in any week that Kim Walker misses. Uh, again, you got to be stashing players like that, especially at this point in the season. Uh, I'd also look at Ty Chandler this week. Uh, Cam makers towards Achilles. So we'll see what they decide to do with the other backups. But Chandler should be the direct backup at this point to Madison. Um, Dobbs also looked really, really good last week. So while the Vikings won't be as good without Cousins obviously it's going to be a downgrade going from Cousins to any quarterback that they could have realistically gotten um Dobbs was probably the best option of someone they could have could have acquired and so not as drastic of a drop off as it would have been had they not made that trade also Chandler has looked really good this season uh, they basically never use him like his touches are, have been very limited but he's clearly explosive and you know if they start to utilize him more giving him like seven or eight touches a game not going to be someone you're starting in an eight ten or twelve team league but could he command a little bit of a larger role later on the season if he continues playing well maybe so i don't think you're spending much fab to get him if you want to throw two percent on him sure maybe like a fifth sixth seventh claim sure Um, i don't think that's a bad idea honestly if you know your league and you're like, I don't think anyone's going to go after him, just let him clear waivers and go and maybe add him after. It's still more of a speculative pick, but one that I think could work out. Uh, and the last running back is Rico Dowdle. Um, probably going to make Pollard owners throw up a little bit, but in deeper formats, I definitely at least look at him. Um, I highly doubt that they're ever actually going to bench Pollard. Like That's just not going to happen this season. No matter how he plays, Pollard is going to be the running back one. Um And I maintain that he's getting super unlucky. We'll talk about him in tomorrow's trade video. Uh, But I maintain he's getting unlucky. I think he's going to have a breakout game soon. But Dowdle, like objectively, still looks very, very good out there. And if Pollard continues to struggle, maybe there's a chance that Dowdle gets a little bit more run later in the year. And so, if you're in a deeper format, maybe that can help you out. Uh, the main appeal here is just handcuff. At this point of the season, you should be kind of using that bench. You should have your starting roster kind of start to figure out at this point. And so, you're using your bench to be like, okay, well, what if something happens? What if, you know, Tony Pollard gets injured? What if Ken Walker gets injured? We have two running backs that could be very, very useful in fantasy your last bench spot, I think it's worth just taking a shot there. Um, but definitely for him only at, no one's going after Dowdle this week. So don't spend any fab, don't spend a claim, just add him uh, at wide receiver. There's basically nothing. Uh, I'll quickly touch on some names that we've basically already been over in past weeks, but there's nothing really new for wide receiver. Uh, top options are Mary Douglas, uh, Michael Wilson, Zay Jones, then just some deeper league flyers on uh, Jalen Tolbert on Cedric Wilson Douglas played 83% of the snaps last week. He caught five of seven targets. 55 yards as we went over last week he's not a high ceiling player he's not going to go out there and have 8 for 150 and 2 that's just not really in his range of outcomes everything he does is pretty close to the line of scrimmage he'll get some work intermediate but he's definitely not getting work deep downfield. Uh, but especially in like full PPR leagues especially like 12 team full PPR he can be a consistent 5 or 6 catches every week and if he can get you around 10 11 points spikes up to you know 16 17 if he's scoring a touchdown which he'll be used in the red zone won't be featured but he'll be one of the more featured wide receivers at least in the red zone they'll use their tight ends and running backs a lot um, but he'll have a role in that area uh, again full ppr leagues I definitely go after him and even in half ppr worth rostering honestly if he's the number one on this team then Michael Wilson should return this week um, and with Kyler set to return his ceiling should be a lot higher um now to be fair like I've said all season like Dobbs has been playing well Dobbs has not been terrible so the upgrade from Dobbs into um, Kyler Murray isn't going to be incredible right but um it's still gonna lead to a higher ceiling like kyler is still going to be better than dobbs or likely going to be better than dobbs when he returns um and it's really just that ceiling like If we have Dobbs production, if we have close to Dobbs production, the rest of the season for Wilson, he'll probably be good, but he'll probably be someone who gives you like 50 or so yards per game. And you're always like, okay, I could use him in the flex or second flex or wide receiver three spot if I needed to, but I'm, I'm not expecting a lot of production. It's just, what if Kyler comes back? He's a really big upgrade. This offense finally gets going. Well, now Michael Wilson could bump up to, you know, 65, 70 yards in some of these matchups. Now, if he's adding on a touchdown, he's actually a really good start. So it's unlocking that ceiling potential. Um, I think that just wasn't there with Dobbs. And so a uh, decent pick on Fane. He's also, I mean, he's a rookie. Rookie tender breakout break in the second half, and he's been really good this season. Uh, then Zay Jones, um, he's been out for forever. But Close to returning soon. Watch practice reports, um, but he should return soon from his injury. Once he does, he's going to step right into like a 16 or so percent target share on a good offense. He'll have weekly value. Another name that's probably not a high ceiling player. He's never going to be a like a consistent wide receiver too, but I'm sure he's been dropped in a lot of leagues where he should be rostered. and People have just kind of forgotten about him. Again, once he's back, he'll step into a good role in this team. And we've seen him be productive in the past. Uh, And then Tolbert, Cedric Wilson, more just deeper league ads. Um, Tolbert got a lot of buzz this summer. Hasn't panned out yet, but that's because the playing time wasn't there. He's starting to get more looks because of how poorly Gallup and Cooks have been playing. And so it wouldn't be shocking to see him go out there, you know, every week moving forward at around like 50. Maybe you can push 60% of the snaps. And if that happens, if he can be a little bit productive on those snaps, because, again, he had a lot of buzz in the summer, maybe he's a little bit better than people think. Uh, If you are in a 14 or 16-team league, he's definitely a name worth considering. And the same basically goes for Cedric Wilson. Again, these two, I don't think 8, 10, 12-team leagues, I don't think you're touching them, but... um, he was a wide receiver three like the last kind of couple of weeks. He's been like trending in that direction. Uh, last week was his highest snap share. He was utilized as their wide receiver three last week. If that holds basically in deeper leagues, he'll be worth rostering. If we knew every week we're getting a wide receiver, getting like 65, 70% of the snaps on this offense, that's going to come with some weekly upside. He was inefficient last week. He still scored a touchdown, but he's He's inefficient. Uh, that'll kind of reverse course a little bit. He's not going to catch like 20% of his targets long-term. The point is, if you've just got a wide receiver that's going to have that role rest of season, that's valuable. But again, only deeper leagues. Uh, At tight end, basically have to talk about Taysom Hill. Uh, He now is the tight end eight in points per game on the season and is first ahead of Kelsey, Andrews, and Hawkinson over the last four weeks. Now, he's gotten incredibly lucky. Last couple weeks, right? He has five touchdowns on 38 total opportunities over the last three weeks. uh, And that's despite zero touchdowns on 41 opportunities in weeks one through six when he was the tight end 30 in points per game. So again, he's getting very lucky with touchdowns. Even if he's a gadget player, you look at the first 41 touches, no touchdowns, last 38, five touchdowns little bit of a difference there. It's going to even out over time. He's probably not going to be the tight end one rest of the season, but that doesn't matter, right? He doesn't need to be the tight end one rest of the season. It's going to be very valuable to add. Um, and his role is clearly increasing in recent weeks. Um, he's not only gotten more rushing attempts but the targets have been more consistent that's the big thing that's why it was so you know difficult for him to hit a consistent ceiling when you're getting one target because if you don't catch it even if you're getting these carries you know if you're in a half or full PPR league and you have zero receptions well now he like has to score a touchdown to do anything cuz he's not getting any of those free points for the receptions um so definitely going to be difficult to project because you know it is so random how they use him like he's going to project for like One pass attempt, a few targets, and some carries. And if he doesn't score a touchdown, he's probably giving you what? Like six points? But it's tight end. I mean, how many tight ends are you really relying on? He's my tight end nine. Rest of the season. If you factor in now, what his usage has been overall, and it'll lean a little bit more towards what he's been doing recently, tight end nine rest of the season. That's right behind Evan Ingram, Dalton Schultz, Jake Ferguson. He's right in the range with all those players. And so, if you need a tight end that's in that general range, definitely go after Taysom Hill, uh, especially since you know he's got that high weekly ceiling. He's someone that isn't going to go out there and have you know eight or nine points every week. He's going to dud sometimes, but so will every tight end. And he has 20 points in his range of outcomes, which not every tight end has. Uh, behind Hill, you know, it's the usual bunch, right? Take a shot on a rookie tight end you think could break out in the second half of the season. Luke Musgrave is probably the most likely to be available on free agency because obviously, you know, Kincaid's not, Laporta's not on free agency anymore. Um, or you can look at Johnny Smith, Cade Ott, and one of these tight ends that, you know, has been involved, is coming off good games, can see better production in the future. Um, I don't really think Smith uh, or Otten really has a, an elite ceiling rest of season, but we saw them have really, really good games last week. Uh, both have really bankable roles. Like we know their roles really aren't going away this season. Otten in particular, he's playing like 97. He played 100% of the snaps last week. So even though you know Evans, Godwin, they're going to dominate the target share there he's able to rack up production just by being on the field all of the time. And if you're always on the field, you have a better chance of locking into some touchdowns of getting just, you know, just some random targets thrown your way. If you're playing like 60%, you don't have that much in your range of outcomes. So, you know, both those players, decent ads. you need a tight end at quarterback. Definitely go after Kyler. uh, If he's for some reason available and you didn't go after him after we talked about it last week, go after him this week, Uh, should be getting the start this week. Uh, and while there's definitely a wide range of outcomes for how he's going to look, right? How much is he going to run it? How is he going to look passing it? Um, one of those possibilities for how he looks is good enough to be a top seven quarterback for a season, especially with you know how many injuries there have been at the position this season. And that's super valuable. So if that's available in free agency, you have to go after that. Um, I'd also definitely look at Joshua Dobbs. Um, he was fantastic, as we talked about earlier, like in relief last week, which is wild because he didn't even know the plays. Like he was walking into the huddle, like asking people, What do I have on this side? Like, what routes are you guys even running? Because I haven't had time to, you know, remember this entire playbook. And that just makes the fact that Arthur Smith has now lost two straight games to backup quarterbacks even better. Now that we know one of those backup quarterbacks didn't even know what plays were being run and he still managed to lose to them. Uh, but you know I think it's a testament to Dobbs was good with not very much help help on you know the Cardinals and start the season. Now he moves over to the Vikings. Way better skill players, way better environment, way better coaching, like play calling. He's got upside. He has a ton of upside rest season. He's my quarterback nine rest of season. And I'm sure he's available in free agency and a lot of leagues. And let's be honest, if they get Jefferson back, they've got Addison breaking out, Hawkinson. Like this passing attack is awesome. They're not going to run the ball that much because now Cam Akers is hurt. Madison's been ineffective. Like they're probably just going to still air the ball out a ton. A lot of upside for Dobbs rest season. After those two, pure streaming options. Uh, you've got Geno Smith versus the Commanders. This is the sixth best matchup for quarterbacks. Sam Howell at the Seahawks. That is the seventh best matchup for quarterbacks. And then Baker versus the Titans, a uh, pretty neutral matchup for quarterbacks. But I would say it's more positive for the Bucks because so much of the production flows through, as I said before, Evans and Godwin. Well, it's the best matchup for opposing wide receivers. And so you've got an amazing matchup for those two well that's going to translate over to baker uh maybe other positions don't have as great of matchups but it's so much flows through those two baker's going to have a good ceiling there um but you know there's still gonna be a lot of players that project better than baker that's probably for those of you in like competitive 12 team leagues when you got someone hurt and run by or deeper leagues um, i would stick to ones we mentioned before they're definitely better this week then finally Defense streaming options this week. Uh, number one is Seattle. Well, not number one ranked, but number one that is even possibly available in free agency. Uh, number one is Dallas this week. That is, it is unfair Dallas. Dallas is at home against the Giants. So the Giants have given up the most points per game to opposing defenses, are now on the road without Daniel Jones at dallas like that is unfair right but number one that you could actually go after is seattle uh, they're tied for seventh in points per game taking on the commanders team it's allowed the fourth most points per game to opposing defenses a lot of sacks this season i will note last two weeks they've been a lot better at preventing sacks and sam howell is just playing awesome right now so we could definitely see the commanders do well but it's still a good matchup for the seahawks number two is the bucks um they're scoring like average amount on defense um, but they force teams into elevated pass play rates and they'll get a whole matchup with will levis who was sacked four times last week if he has to throw the ball a lot he could give up a lot of sacks and he definitely made some ill-advised throws i think he only had one interception but there were a few that were very iffy that could have turned in turnovers we know that you know he's a rookie right and even if he looks pretty good for being a rookie He's still going to make mistakes. Uh, it only takes one really bad mistake to have a pick six, have really good production for opposing defenses and fantasy. So bucks number two there. And then the Raiders versus the Jets. Um, the Jets have allowed the third most points per game to opposing defense and special teams. Uh, and while the Raiders have been kind of middle of the pack so far, uh, they're definitely capable of generating sacks. I mean, they had eight sacks against the Giants last week. Would not project eight sacks this week. But I think we all looked at how uh, how bad Zach Wilson looked in prime time uh, in the game. Uh, I guess that was last night. Yeah, last night's game. Um, he looked bad. He can fall apart at any point. He could have multiple pick sixes. He could get a ton of sacks against him. Like It's a good spot for the Raiders. I think the Raiders are also only um, like one-point underdogs, which is probably the correct line given how bad Zach Wilson has looked this season. But yeah, I, I think I like Seattle first. Then the Bucks, then the Raiders. So that is a look at how the waiver wire is looking this week. If you want to see my full order list, it's up on the site now. has fab recommendations as well. You can also see my updated rest of season rankings over there, along with my running back and wide receiver reports and weekly rankings. All of them have been updated for week 10. That, my friends, is in this one. Hope you all did enjoy. If you did, help me hang the like button. Help a subscribe to the channel if you're new here. Thanks for watching.